For the next eight, maybe nine weeks, we're going to be working through the book of Colossians. New Testament book, very short uh, letter by Paul to the people of Colossae. And uh, there's a lot of, of theology in it, a lot of biblical truth that we'll be able to grab a hold of. And uh, just a super, super book. It's only four chapters long. Um, I know I've asked this before, but anybody like short books with big print and a lot of pictures besides me? Yeah, that's why we keep doing the four-chapter ones, because that's, that's how they feel. But it'll be a, a super book, and I encourage you to read through it on your own as often as you can. And if you have a study Bible, that's even better. And see what God may speak to you. Today we're going to try to go through verse 14 in chapter 1, and then we'll finish up chapter 1 next week, and then we'll move on to the next chapter. So we'll go a little bit of a time and, and do bite-sized pieces and do our best to make sense of this, but this week I was looking at just all the things that the human brain has the capability of doing, and it's a lot. And this is just literally a, a short list of of the power of our of our brain, the power of our minds uh, that God has created us with, and the gift that He's given us. Listen to some of these. Uh, it, it, at various times, we're better than others, uh, but let me share them. Uh, God created us with the ability to think. Uh, to react, to reason, uh, to consider, to meditate. Uh, we can learn with our brains. We can imagine. We can understand. We can philosophize. We can know. We can perceive. We can evaluate. We can theorize with our brain. We can reflect. We can predict. We can communicate. And that's not even touching the surface of what our brains in turn then do for our bodies as well. And just an incredible thing, an incredible thing that God has blessed us with. Even last week, if you were here at the marriage conference weekend on Saturday, Jeff Feldon even said that we have another gift as guys, besides all of these, uh, that we have the ability to have our brains on idle where we're thinking nothing. Anybody, uh, a female in here, been a recipient of a man very close to you that you're like, what is going on in there? Anything, you know? It's because they have the gift to do that. We can, we can just think nothing at times, and you can add that, add that to the list. Uh, but our brains are an incredible gift. We have the ability to, to reason and do all of these things. And one of the things that, if we're not careful, is we can start to rely on this great big tool that we've been given called our brain instead of relying on God. And what you're going to see in the book of Colossians is this group of people that Paul is trying to encourage and, and pray for and then challenge as well, is their Gnosticism was rampant. They were all about the mind and knowledge and theories and these philosophical ways of thinking. And they would begin to blend them with the gospel. And then they would say, well, here it is. Here's the way to be enlightened and to be right with God. So Paul comes along, he gets word of this, and writes a letter to the Colossians. Uh, and you'll see today, he's thanking them because he loves this church. He's, he, he lets them know, wait, we're praying for you. But then he also says there are some errors uh, in the way that you think. There are some errors in your theology. And throughout this book, they're going to be raised up, and you will be able to see what those are in the coming weeks. But one of the big ones was this, and many people know Colossians is known for this, as they were, they were diminishing Christ in their lives. Uh, they, they, they were depreciating His value in their life. And many of you know that the book of Colossians is all about the preeminence of Christ. That's why we titled 
the, this book, what we did, this series of, of being superior, sufficient Savior, that He's enough, that He's the highest rank, right? There's nothing above. Well, the people of Colossians were, were kind of mixing and dabbling in all kinds of theories and philosophical ways of thinking. And Paul says, no, 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 it's not, it's not Jesus plus all these things that you're adding to it. Um, it's Jesus plus, plus nothing. And so as we go through this book, you'll see Paul uh, many times, is, uh, this is known as a prison letter. Uh, he wrote this letter from prison. But Paul would have been known as a, a Christian terrorist before he came to Christ. Why? Because he was trying to wipe out the church. He was putting people falsely in prison. Uh, he was having people even killed. He wanted the church to be extinct. He thought it was phony, a farce. This whole Jesus thing's bogus. And then his life was changed, wasn't it? And he became one of the greatest evangelists. Uh, he wrote much of the New Testament that, that you read. And he was a pioneer of the early church, an encourager, uh, a, 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 a leader of leaders is what he was. But Paul was not always welcomed everywhere he went. As he would even write letters to these churches and these towns and these areas, they weren't always well received. So Paul would find himself often uh, uh, either in prison or under house arrest uh, because of his belief he was sold out for the gospel. And in this particular letter that he's writing, uh, he, was in, he was in a Roman prison. So around uh, A.D. 60, uh, many people say it was the same time Philemon was written, and then also Ephesians, Paul wrote this letter uh, to Colossae to the Christians there and began to thank them for who they were and what they were doing. And then he says, but we've got some things to, to talk about, some things we need, some things we need to, to deal with. Uh, Colossae was a place that he never, uh, many would say he never visited. He never visited on his own. But he loved this, this church and this community because he was primarily responsible, although he never visited, for helping this church launch. Well, how did that happen? Well, uh, there was a guy named, he was preaching in Ephesus. He was sharing the gospel in Ephesus, like many of you know, and have traveled through the book of Ephesians. And while there, there was a, a couple guys in particular that came to Christ. There was many, uh, but the two that are mentioned here, uh, there's a guy named Epaphras and a guy named Philemon. So both of those guys came to faith in Jesus Christ. And then Paul says, all right, I think you're starting to get it. you got your feet underneath you. You need to go home to your hometown, to the Colossian people, and you need to share the gospel with them. Share this truth that you've received. Share the hope that you have. So Epaphras does just that. He takes off back to his hometown. He shares the gospel, and the gospel starts to flourish like crazy. It's an incredible story. We're going to hear just a tad of that in Colossians 1, verse 1 through, verse 1 through 14. And we'll read that first uh, here today. But it's one of the books that talks about, uh, it's probably one of the best books in the New Testament that talks about Christology, the theology of the person, the nature, and the role of Jesus Christ in our life. So you will notice that all throughout the book, and it's good, good stuff. So let's just read it, verses 1 through 8 to start. Uh, Paul's just introducing himself, just like you would do if you start talking to somebody for the first time. Or you wrote a letter to somebody, you'd say, Hi, I'm Kedrick, and here's who I am. So here's what he does. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people uh, in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. And then he says, We always thank God 
the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, and he prayed for him often as he did all the churches he was a part of, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up uh, for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that comes to you. He says, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it, and you truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who, a faithful, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who told us of uh, your love in the Spirit. So out of the gates, Paul, as Paul pretty much always does, is he just brings everything back to the gospel. He makes first things first, and in the first eight verses of this, of this book, of this letter, he's writing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel consumed Paul. That when he would teach, when he would go out and preach, when he would share with anybody, it was gospel, gospel, gospel. So he starts this letter by saying, man, I thank you. I thank you guys for your faithfulness for the gospel. And, and, and I want you to know this, that the gospel is spreading like crazy. Here's what he says. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Since Epaphras has come and started sharing the gospel with you guys, and so many of you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, you would not believe what is going on with the gospel all over the world. It is spreading like wildfire. It is going, what we use today, viral, right? When something goes viral, uh, usually it just happened a few minutes ago and all of a sudden the whole world knows about it. Stuff goes viral now in real time. And Paul is saying the gospel of Jesus Christ, oh, it, it's happening here with you Colossian people, but it is going viral everywhere. And it was so encouraging for this church to hear that. And church, this is how movements of God start. Uh, when one person becomes transformed by the gospel, when somebody, if you will, becomes infected by the gospel, they become contagious people of which they can't help but share it with anybody and everybody that would want to listen to them, and they share the faith that is within them. And it was going on in this church, and it was going on all around the world, Paul says. It's the power of multiplication. It's how the gospel works. God, we serve a God of multiplication that one person gets infected and, and it's contagious and they just can't help but share it with anybody and everybody. It's what it means to live out Matthew 28, right? That we're to go into all the world, we're to make disciples, and we as disciples should be making more disciples and people are coming to Christ left and right. I want to encourage you today this. I think so often we look around the world and we think, man, the gospel's stale. You know, there's... There's not much going on with the church right now. It seems like everywhere we look, a church is either closing or, or a church is just, they're not, they're not growing anymore. And I want to encourage you that the gospel is on the move today, probably better and at a greater level than it's ever been before in history. The gospel is, is, is going viral everywhere. Uh, I was reading some stats this week from uh, the World Christian Encyclopedia. The Oxford Press puts it out. And it says approximately 2.7 million people convert to Christianity annually from another religion. They are devout in their faith in some other religion, and 2.7 of them every year uh, come to Jesus Christ, come to faith in Jesus Christ 
And Christianity ranks first of all world religions, of, 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 the, of the group of people that that's happening the most. That, that the gospel is it's transforming. It's on the move. It's changing, it's changing lives and entire communities and entire countries. I was going on in that research, and, and it says that by 2030, which it seems like that's not very far away, but how far away was 2008? That was like yesterday, wasn't it? 2030 is going to be here before we know it. In just 11 years, China... China, communist China, is going to be the most Christian nation in the world. There's going to be, if, if it keeps trending the way that it is now, there will be 247 million estimated Christians in China. We have 300 and roughly 25 million people that live in America now. 247 million. It'll surpass Brazil. It'll surpass all of Latin America. It'll surpass the United States. It will be the largest Christian nation in the world world and China is a closed country to God's word to the gospel being proclaimed and it's just incredible to see right and I was thinking about that this week and uh, someday when we get to heaven with our Chinese brothers and sisters if we don't make it uh, to Asia uh, we're going to be gathered around the fire with them and they're going to say what the not the fire but like a campfire you get it the fire um that yeah, we've got to clarify that. I, I didn't even clarify first service, and nobody questioned it. So um, we'll be gathered around the heavenly campfire, and they're going to ask us, what in the world must it have been like? When I took my spouse or my kids to church, our heads were on a swivel because we didn't want anybody to know where we were going and what we were about to do. Our life was at risk to show up to church, to worship God. To be a part of a community of faith. What must it have been like for you to live in a free nation, a free country where you could go grab a coffee and a Bill's Donut in a nice warm room and worship your God on high? It had to be incredible. I bet you led thousands of people to faith in Christ because of that. And then we'll look at them and be like, I, I, I wish I would have. It's incredible to think about the country of China is going to be there. And I hope what Paul talks about in this letter, I was reading this week, the idea that the gospel is going viral, that it is spreading like crazy, I hope that lights a fire underneath you. One, that you even get to be in relationship with the Savior of the world. Stop and think about that. The Creator of all things wants to be in relationship with you. And not only that, He wants to use you and use me and use all of us to take this good news that Paul talks about all the time to the world. And it should light a fire under us to want to wanna create that, make that happen in our community. A movement of God where people are coming to faith in Christ, where there's something going on in Dayton. There's something going on in and through Centerville Community Church that I can't explain, but it's a movement of God. And we're going to talk about it as Paul did with this group in Colossae and what was going on around the world. You know what our passion is? Is that every man, woman, and child would have frequent opportunities, listen, to see, to hear, and to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. How does that happen? Well, they're going to see it in you. Or you're going to invite them to be a part of something here and they're going to see it with something in this body or something that goes on here at this church. How are they going to hear it? Well, you're going to tell them. You're, you are going to tell them. You are perfectly positioned in the people's lives that you're in 
to speak into their lives the gospel message, or you'll invite them to CCC or somewhere where they can hear the gospel message and they can respond to this incredible good news. Every week we'll get turn, people will turn in connect cards, which those are right in front of you, um, and we will, we will look through those. And a couple weeks ago we got seven or eight of them, and we get them often, and we, we, we try to follow up, send out notes, and respond to people right away. But one of the things that, that I was the most proud of was not that we had seven or eight, but that we had at least half of them that marked at the bottom that they were invited by somebody from this church to join them for a worship service. That, that's a win. That's what we celebrate. That's what we cheer on here at this church, that you were willing to say, you know what, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to invite them to this church so they can see and hear and hopefully respond to the gospel and be a part of this community of faith. The number one way anybody will ever show up here is because you invite them. So what does it look like for you and for me and this church to, to truly create frequent opportunities, whether it be in here, children's ministry, youth ministry, an event, whatever it may be, so they can hear, see, and respond to the gospel of Jesus. The gospel's not old. The gospel's not irrelevant. The gospel's not for people back then. The gospel is alive, and the gospel is well today. And I hope that encourages you today to take this incredible good news that Paul was so excited about and gets me so excited to the, to the world. You know, one of the things that when we read Scripture, and I'll do this a lot, is we, we like to like, make it about us instantly. Uh, so when we read a particular passage, we'll say, well, how does this apply to me, you know, right away? And there's health in that. We should ask that question every time we read Scripture of how in the world does this apply to my life. But there's also greater health in uh, how was, when this was written to the original audience, what were, they, what were they supposed to hear? You know, what were they supposed to learn is Paul's writing uh, to them in Colossians 1. What would it have been like? Why were people coming to faith in, in, in that area? Why were people coming to faith all throughout the world, right? Well, during this time, if you would have grown up uh, in A.D. 60, anybody from that era? Okay, good. Uh, A.D. 60, nobody is, but, uh, but if you would have grown up during that time, uh, it was a time where, where this was going on. You would have grown up in an era where Greek and Roman gods and goddesses, uh, these, these false idols, if you will, ruled the day when it came to what they thought of who God was. So they had a complete false view of God, and they believed that, man, you never want to make a God mad, uh, but you surely could never have a personal relationship with one of these gods. So they would just live their life to appease the gods, if you will. Uh, and there was never a personal connection. It was just there, this God out there somewhere. And I want to be a good little boy or girl or family so nothing bad happens to, to us. So that was going on in AD 60 as Paul's uh, talking to, to this group. Also, it was a time where all kinds of theories and philosophies and things about, about God and gods were just all mixed together. And people were honestly confused. They were teaching heresy. There was false teaching going on left and right. And people would just, they would value knowledge and somebody's smarts, right, over faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul, throughout this whole letter, says, no, 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 it's not, it's not Jesus plus all your little theories, right? It's Jesus plus, it's Jesus plus nothing. So Paul begins to challenge, challenge this church and he begins to let them know, man, guard yourselves against this kind of teaching. Because if you don't, it will lead not only you down a, a path that you don't want to go, 
but it will lead generations down a path uh, that you do not want uh, to go. So Paul shares the gospel, and it was taking root because they'd never heard anything like it. That there's truly a, a God that stepped out of heaven and, and lived a sinless, perfect life on this earth. That He actually went to the cross and He was going to pay the penalty for all of my sin. And, and not only that, I can be in relationship with this, with this God. It blew them away. So people were coming to faith in Jesus. In Colossians 1, 5 through 6, it says, You have already heard in the true message of the you've already heard the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel's bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Paul makes a very important point here. The thing that sets apart uh, being a Christ follower from any other thing that you could do. And Paul says, it's the grace of God. It's the unmerited favor of God. It's something that you didn't deserve, but He gives you as a gift. And for the people of Colossae to hear this, it was, it was revolutionary to them. Because all other world religions, their way of thinking even during this time was, I need to do works, I need to behave in such, uh, in such a way, I need to appease God, I need to do all these pious works so God somewhere, somehow will be happy with me. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You completely missed it. It is all about the grace, the grace of God, of which Paul says, I'm like first in line that received it, and I needed it the most, right? Paul says, I was the guy that was trying to persecute and wipe out the church, and God saw fit through Jesus to extend me grace, and ever since then, it's been grace after grace after grace after grace after grace. And Paul longed for this church to truly understand what grace was. And you know, for Colossae and for so many today, uh, we still wrap our head around, you know what, if I'm good, God will love me. If I show up to church, I'll be okay and God, God will love me. If I give a few things and do a few right things, hopefully I'll be in right standing with God. And it's this skewed weird, false sense of who God is and what Jesus has done for us. So many outside these walls and maybe even in this room today, when you think of grace, you think, man, from all the things that I've done, all the things that I've been a part of, there is no way that God's grace could cover them. It is, it's ugly. From all the things that I've thought and been a part of and, 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 and should have never stepped foot in, there's no way grace can cover can cover that. There's no way I could ever, I could ever receive grace because I don't deserve it. And when you get to that point, that's when you understand grace because grace is something that none of us deserve. The gift of Jesus is something that none of us deserve, but He saw fit as He did all throughout Scripture to extend grace and then make a way with Jesus for us. I love how Paul, he teaches, he also uses an example. Who's he uses as an example? He uses Epaphras in verse 7. A guy that was changed by the gospel, a guy that grew in grace, and a guy that was then sent out uh, to change his little world called Colossae and just preach the gospel to them. And it says in this passage, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is faithful, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, 
and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Epaphras, this is how discipleship works. Here's the Gospel. He grows in Christ. And he is sent out as a missionary back to his hometown to preach the Gospel to his people. And many there come to Christ. And not only that, many around the world come to Jesus Christ. I'm speculating because here's how we 2019 that. Somebody comes to Christ. They're on fire for the Gospel. And I don't think Epaphras came to this place where he said, you know what? I've come to receive Jesus, so now I'm going to go out, I'm going to go to my hometown, become an ordained minister, and then finally I can share the gospel with my hometown. I don't think he did that at all. It's crazy. I think he was so changed, he couldn't believe what Jesus did for him, that he couldn't not, he, he had to talk about it. He had to share it with anybody that would listen. So he knew the best place to start, and Paul knew the best place to start. I'm going to send you home, and you need to do it there. Why? Because the gospel's good news. It is good news. And we, you know, we, we share, we're willing to share good news all the time, aren't we? I mean, when you hear about something or you find out about something this last Tuesday night, I took Knox and Beckham to swim lessons, which they're getting a little bit better. Uh, they're not ready, believe me, but they're getting a little bit better. And while we were there, the, the couples that were right in front of me, um, two here and two here, right by the glass, I don't know if they watched their kids once, but they were just, this couple was sharing the, the greatest experience they'd ever had at this all-inclusive resort. Because they were like looking up places, and you need to see this, and you wouldn't believe it. And I feel like I could give a full tour of this all-inclusive resort in Jamaica after they got done. Because I heard of everything, but they were so excited. They couldn't, they couldn't wait to get the next word out about where they ate. And 22 restaurants, you're not going to believe it. You can drop your kids off and go do whatever you want. And they just went on and on and on, so excited. Because it was good news to them. And what's the Bible say the gospel is? It's good news. And it's almost like, why wouldn't you want to share it? Why wouldn't you want people to know? Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 3, 6-9. through 9. He gives us a picture of it. It says, we each carried out our, our servant assignment. Paul says, I planted the seed and then Apollos watered it. I shared the gospel and, gospel and Apollos began to grow them up in the gospel. But God's the one that made you grow. And then they were kind of going back and forth. Some people were getting in Paul's camp because, oh, I really like this. And others were like, no, I think I like Apollos' teaching. And they're like, quit following us. And then he says this. He says, it's not the one who plants or the one who waters who is at the center of the process, but it's all God. He makes things grow. Planting and watering are menial servant jobs that we get to do. Uh, at minimum wages, what makes them worth doing is the God we are serving. You happen to be God's field in which we are working. So what's our job? Our job is to plant the seed. Our job is to, to water the soil. And we serve a God. You're off the hook. We've all heard, I need to convert them, right? I need to bring them into, and it's not, it's not you and it's not me. It's simply us sharing the good news talking about Jesus, and we serve a, a, a Savior that will, do, that will do the work. So the question is, are you being an Epaphras for someone in your life? And maybe it's not you just, you know, Jesus and them, just talking over and over and over about Jesus, but you're, the way you're living out your life, that they see Jesus in you. Maybe at work or at school or wherever that may be. Or maybe they're actually hearing it because you feel like they're now at a place where I can actually share so that they can actually respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ.
And we don't do any of this because we have to. It's what we got to do, you know. But we get to. We get to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to close with the end of this uh, particular section, verses 9 through 14. And there's just some great stuff here that you need to read this week because what, what Paul prays over this church is probably something we should pray over ourselves and our families and this church often. And listen to what he says, and then I want to close with reflecting on a few of the words. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. I want you to think about a time in your life where you didn't stop praying for something. It's probably a time when you had a family member in a tough spot, or you personally were in a tough spot, where you just you found yourself a little more aware of the Spirit of God, and you were praying, praying, praying for something to happen. Paul says, we didn't stop praying for you, and we won't. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and the understanding that the Spirit gives. Why? Because there's a lot of false teaching going on around you. We want you to truly understand what Jesus Christ is all about, what the gospel's about, what grace is about. And then he says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. That it matters how we live our lives. It matters how we carry ourselves. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Paul says, I'm praying for you that you have all you need in Christ Jesus. Being strengthened with all the power according to His glorious might. Not your power. Uh, you're, you're powerless, but His power. So that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. So often we think, well, we're, the, we're, we're qualified or we can, we can earn our way or just make our way, right? But it's, but it's Christ alone that qualifies us. He's invited us in to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us to the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. That, that's the gospel. That's what Paul wants them to grow in. Church of Colossae, I want you to grow in your understanding. I want you to grow in grace. I want you to grow in, in, in what it means to, to be obedient to Jesus Christ. What a call. What a prayer. And that prayer, we read that and think that's nice for the Colossians. But it's for us today as well. I want you to close your eyes for a minute and I want to reread some of the points in this in a different way. And just ask yourself, how are you doing in these areas? It says, for God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives so that there's a reason why we get filled with all of that so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. So the questions I want to ask you as we get ready to worship our God is, are you living a life worthy unto the Lord? Uh, are you trying to please Him in every way every day? Is your life bearing fruit in every good work? Do you find yourself growing in, in your knowledge of God? Are you picking up the Bible and, and reading it? And some of you, this is not so much a question of are you, but do you want this? Because some of you are weary. 
Maybe you're just weary physically, emotionally, spiritually, I don't know, but to, to pray, God, would you strengthen me in your mighty power? We serve a God that will, that will strengthen you in his mighty power. To have endurance. You ever want to give up? First obstacle that hits, the first tough time, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go on. To have endurance means we keep going on regardless of obstacles, as great or as small as they may be. And then the one that we all can probably grow in is to be patient in all things. To be patient in all things. A fruit of the Spirit, patience. It's the ability to stand firm. And Paul says, hey, people of Colossians, you're going to run in. There's going to be all kinds of obstacles. There's going to be false teaching. People are going to try to lead you down a certain path. And in the midst of that, you're going to be all, you're going to want to amp, be all amped up. But I encourage you, man, be patient in all things. Stand firm, but be patient. God's got your back. Let's pray. God, thank you for Colossians 1. Thank you for Epaphras. Because he was willing to be bold and go share the good news which he freely received, he's in your book for all of eternity because of a decision that he made. Thank you for Paul and his encouragement to the Colossians. And God, for those in this room that, and and I know it to be true, that are struggling with their faith and and just trying to reason their way through faith in Christ and, and trying to use their mind and knowledge and theories and philosophical ways and Gnosticism and you name it to understand what it means to walk in unison with you. God, I pray that you would meet them over these next eight weeks. And God, that you would teach us something about your word and your grace and your love for us. Strengthen us. Restore our minds. Help us to grow in grace towards one another. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.